In a world where James Franco is still considered a credible actor and Mike Busey can open a place called the Sausage Castle, one podcast will rise. One podcast will take a stand. Its hosts steadfast and strengthened by snark and snobbery. This podcast is Cinema Geekly. Time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 189, brought to you by the good people over at Fandango. Cinemageekly.com slash Fandango. Head on over there to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. That's at Cinemageekly.com slash Fandango. Or you can click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. It's Anthony Lewis and Glenn Beauvais, and we're back to talk more movie shit. Glenn, this week, the big topic, the Joker film by Todd Phillips. We'll probably talk about that last controversial to say the least uh amongst critics and fans alike uh we've both seen it and uh we both have opinions i actually have no idea what you thought about the movie i don't think yeah me too i I purposely anytime i messaged you just said i saw it (laughs) yes Uh, so we haven't even talked about it i'm curious i'm curious to see what the thoughts are uh back and forth uh a couple of a couple of non-review related things to talk about. Uh, last month we didn't have a chance to talk about this. I'm I'm actually a little disappointed we didn't have a chance to talk about this. Or, but you know what I should say by we didn't have a chance to. What I really mean is I forgot to bring it up uh, when we recorded the last podcast. But uh, they released. I don't even know who made this. Was this the same people who made uh, the Jurassic World? Or the whatever that movie was called, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Was that the same no, it, people? Well, it's the same guy who made the first one. Okay, the first Jurassic World. Okay, so was this was Colin Trevorrow? Yeah, no, right. Okay, uh, they released <laughs> they released a short film called Bat- the Battle at Big Rock. It's a Jurassic World short film that they released on the internet for free, and it takes place in this post fallen kingdom world where dinosaurs are now just roaming around America. And don't even know there was only like 14 that escaped, but yeah. Yeah. Somehow they're (laughs) everywhere. Uh, this, this particular short film, uh, focuses around a family who's gone camping. They're at like a campground, uh, in their RV because nobody sleeps in tents anymore. What kind of, crazy person would do that. Everyone's in an RV and, uh, much like has happened to many a camper in their time. Uh, a wild animal comes into the campground and scares off the campers. In this case, it happens to be dinosaurs. Uh, and a large dinosaur battle ensues and, uh, it's pretty thrilling and fun and exciting and I'm wondering, uh, why couldn't the last two movies be like this, Glenn? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I think I messaged you when I saw this. I'm like, I think they found the key to success just to keep the movies to like 14 minutes. And we have a winner. Uh, Not make clone people. Yeah. <laughs> don't release the dinosaurs. Don't have clone humans. Just... Erase that whole last movie. Like you can maybe get away with Jurassic World. Ask ask the right questions, like in the first movie, and not just 
yes. other questions or try and make it meta with advertisements because you're like, well, in a theme park, this is what it would be like. Well, that was, it's like, okay, yeah. I think we all kind of knew that going into it that you just wanted to make a shitload of money. You don't have to. <laughs> yes. Thank you for reminding us. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know, but I mean, everything I thought worked in this. The yeah. uh, the family was pretty charming. Uh, all of the moments were pretty tense and, like I said, thrilling. And those were things that were kind of missing from the last couple of movies. I don't know what happened here. I, I was actually stunned. You could hear my, if you rewind the podcast, you can hear how stunned I am when Glenn informs me that it was actually Colin Trevorrow that was responsible for this because I wasn't that big a fan of Jurassic World. This really worked. Maybe they just need to keep it into small sound bites now for uh, Jurassic Park. Maybe that's the the best way to to do it. Maybe they can make a yeah. series of these and then put them together into a movie. Yeah. So the next one should just be called Jurassic National Parks. Yes. That's where we need to see our dinosaurs show up next. We need to see them at monuments. Uh, or you know, I mean, some people think that. We should have an alligator moat. We could, you know, tie this into into the real world political sphere, you know, with sure. dinosaurs in the Rio Grande. Sure. <laughs> We're going to dredge it out and put a mosasaurus in there. I don't know. Why not? That'd be that'd be that'd be a lot of fun actually. Make it happen everybody. Uh let's see let's see that come to let's see that come to life. I don't know. I just I was happy to see it. It's the the first Jurassic Park related thing to bring me any true joy in quite some time, especially after the, uh, the debacle that was the last movie. So I'm pleased. Um, did we, I think we did like lightly touch on Sony and, uh, Disney making up. I don't remember if we touched on it, but in case we didn't touch on it, they did, uh, they did, they did a hearty handshake, uh, a not too, uh, a not too extended hug between the two of them, and uh, they're back to Marvel's back to making Spider-Man movies. They've already announced another Tom Holland Spider-Man movie for 2021 or something like that. I'm sure something that they have planned will now be bumped from the schedule to make room for the Spider-Man movie. But uh, I'm glad they're I'm glad they're back to making it. It's it's certainly better it's certainly better than the one Spider-Man movie a year from Sony that surely would not have been as good. So, uh, I welcome it. Uh, we did get a trailer for Birds of Prey, Glenn. Uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. They're just going for it, aren't they, with this title? Uh, yeah. No, well, one's I mean, gonna, I, no one's going to call it that, ever. Like, they're just I know Margot Robbie was pretty heavily involved in... I think her production company is a producer for this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm sure she is really wants to make it about her. <laughs> Which I mean, hey, it's fine. I mean, I'm not. I know it sounds like a criticism, but I mean, look, uh, look, it's called Birds of Prey, and then it's got a much longer extended title that's yeah. all about Harley Quinn. So, they wanted to call it Harley Quinn the movie, but decided against it and then decided on birds of prey and then decided, well, now let's put the Harley Quinn thing in there too, but let's make it wacky. So it doesn't seem uh, as off putting. Unfortunately, the length of the title is extremely off putting and I will only refer to it as birds of prey from here on out. But 
Uh, what what did no, you? I mean, it's like Birdman. Do you really call it? What is, it's like Birdman and the uh, Birdman the something. I mean, it's oh, a yeah, super yeah. long title. Yeah, like Borat's actual title. Like nobody yeah, calls Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, yeah. Nobody no one calls it. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove and How I Learned to Stop Worrying. Whatever. And love the bomb. Love the bomb. Yeah. 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 Nobody calls it that. So this will just be Birds of Prey in in such esteemed company as Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> I mean, we can only hope, right? I we, mean, <laughs> I mean, we should be hoping for the best here. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? I I wasn't overly impressed with it, but what did you think? Yeah, it's kind of like they showed a lot of clips, and I I don't I did yeah it would I didn't think the trailer was very good. Only the fact of it didn't make me like, oh, interested because like it looks good. It was just more of like, man, there's a lot of shit that's happening. I hope that this isn't a mess. Or if it is a jumbled mess, they it'll make more sense given the context of it being through, you know, Harley Quinn's eyes. Then, you know, you can kind of make it more zany and wacky in that way because mm-hmm. if she's supposed to be our narrator, which... We'll talk about um, unreliable narrators later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then you can get a lot of forgiveness that way. You know, yeah. I would say as, as long as it's you know controlled chaos, I guess. Yeah, I got. But oh, go ahead. But again, you know, they believe in it. It's a you know, it, it seems like Valentine's Day weekend. It, I mean, and it is smart. You know, it's a movie. It's got a, a, you know predominantly female cast. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can. I feel like they're trying to get the guys and to be able to talk their girlfriends or wives into, oh, hey, you know, this is, you know, it's a, it's got a lot of chicks in it. We go see this. So, like, it, um, and it's a post-breakup movie. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it'll do decent. And, again, everybody liked her in Suicide Squad. So, making a movie more centered around her, I'm, I'm sure he'll do fine that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it looks as bad as that Doolittle movie. I think that movie looks terrible. <laughs> and I and I think Universal Studios does since it got the the January release of Death. So Yeah. I mean, it's crazy looking at that. I mean, tangent to the Doolittle trailer which I wasn't going to bring up, but <laughs> what a what a, like an amazing cast they have even just for like voice acting and stuff. It doesn't look that impressive. And I really like Robert Downey Jr., but he seems to struggle mightily outside of things that aren't Iron Man. Like, he plays that character to a T. He's incredible whenever he's playing that role, but anything outside of it... I mean, I, I thought he was actually pretty good in uh, the the first Sherlock Holmes movie, and I know the second one sputtered uh, for a lot of people, but... I, yeah, I feel, he was fine in that. Yeah, I feel like that's the exception, though, that proves the rule. Uh, outside of the MCU stuff... It, but I'm trying to think of, like, what have we seen him in that isn't... He did some courtroom... Well, yeah, that was, well, that was his... Where he put his own money into it, and it tanked. And so... Yeah. That's really why he had to re-sign with Marvel, was because <laughs> he, he lost a lot of money in The Judge. The Judge, yes, that's what it was. Um, hopping back to... Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just kind of, and also for him, like maybe it's because he's played this character so long that it's just hard to shake off because he's mm-hmm. constantly having to go back into it. So I don't know. Maybe he'll get a break in a couple of years, and uh, yeah. when he gets a different role, you know, maybe he'll shine through again. He's Leonard Nimoy right now. Like they just see Spock whenever they see. Yeah, that's true. 
that whenever they see Robert Downey Jr., they just see Iron Man, and he's, he can't be anything but. Um, back to Birds of Prey. I think the thing that hurt it most for me just watching the trailer was that it felt so evocative of Suicide Squad. I mean, she she mentions that she broke up with Mr. J, but all that did, it wasn't like, oh, they're separating from Suicide Squad. All it reminded me of how it, is how it's connected to that movie, and that movie sucked. So, oh, I mean, Suicide Squad 2, it's going to be... It could be really good. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I mean, we were talking about way back when they made the first Suicide Squad that they wanted it to kind of be like, it felt like they wanted it to be their Guardians of the Galaxy. And when that failed spectacularly, they just decided to bring in the guy who made Guardians of the Galaxy for the second one. So uh, if he can work their magic, if he can work his magic on that movie, then uh, I think it'll end up being pretty good. I will say I really like the cast of this second Suicide Squad as well. Yeah, me too. It's a really good And it's cast. a lot of, like, you know, niche people. So it's like, oh, I know, like, half these people are going to fucking die in the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie. Yes. Uh, so in that regard, like, it is kind of fun in yeah. that way. I think that was the problem with Suicide Squad. Like, I felt like none of them died. I mean, I know, like, two or three died in a final battle, but... Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. He died. Yeah, but... But that, there was like a huge gap between that and then the next person died. Is Rick Flag is Rick Flag going to be in the new movie? I hope so. Yeah, he is. Oh, great! I hope he introduces everybody in the same monotone, <laughs> dumb way. <laughs> this is Deadshot, yeah. the man who can shoot anything. This is oh, Katana, they, they, the they person were just with trying the soul to do sword. Usual Suspects. Isn't that the thing? Usual Suspects is the <laughs> kind of. Uh... I, don't even I mean, remember. I'm fine. You can do it that way, but it's just, uh, I don't know. Usually you should do it when you're introducing them. Like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think. There's another movie. I mean, it's a trope that's been done before, but like like the good and the bad and the ugly, right? How they do the credits, the good, the bad, the ugly, is they show you the good, they show you the bad, they show you the ugly. Now, obviously yes. you can't do that when there's like 80 people in this movie. but yes. Yeah, there's there's a way to do it to where it doesn't just feel like ten minutes of exposition. I hope James Gunn gets an introduction by Rick Flag uh, in the movie. Like, <laughs> this is James Gunn, the man that can make this movie palatable. Yeah, uh, I hope we. Get Although I was curious for the Mel Gibson version of this, but <laughs> oh my god, that would be I incredible mean, it too. Just been, it would have just been super dark and everybody just gets slaughtered. I would have been very interested in that movie too, but for like different reasons. So Yeah. It would have been like incredibly anti Semitic for some reason. Just it's just buried oh, in there man. somewhere. But yeah, no, um, it would have it been interesting. Well anyway, that long winded way of saying birds of prey, I could take it or leave it right now. I hope it's good, but the trailer didn't impress and it reminded me of a movie that I didn't like. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's hop into, uh, well, before we hop into Joker, uh, I... Oh, I also saw It too. I don't know if we talked about it. Oh, we have n- I don't think we have talked about It too. so uh, why don't you tell me about uh, It too? while I go put uh, my thoughts on The Lion King? Uh, it was way too damn long. <laughs> that was, it's like... Oh, was it? Uh, that, I mean, that's... Oh, it's like doomsday. almost three hours, I think. Whoa, that's like a doomsday sentence for horror movies. Yeah. Um... It wasn't as fun as the first one because I didn't really care for the horror in the first one, but I liked the kids. And in this one, I didn't care about the adults. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, there was a couple of good gags. I did like Bill Skarsgård better in this, but it was, yeah, it was, I was really thrown off when I realized the guy who plays Mike was, is the old Spice guy. Seriously? Uh, like the monocle, yeah. the, the guy who would answer questions on YouTube? Yeah, that guy. What? They do like the Hulu jokes <laughs> yeah. now with him. Yeah, he was Mike, and he was good in it, but it was like really distracting when I realized it was Mike. Yeah, you kept <laughs> or, you kept waiting. You kept waiting for him to be like, "You think this yeah. is an Old Spice commercial?" But it's not. Yeah, uh, and then the weirdest thing that they did was they de-aged some of the kids. Mm-hmm. So, like some of them, if they were at certain angles, like uh, I can't remember the the chubby kid Ben. Uh, yeah. Like he just looked like porcelain, so he looked like a like a porcelain doll. And he just had these big old round cheeks, and then mm. uh, to try and make some of the kids like sound like they hadn't hit puberty yet and had a higher pitched voice, they would make their voices faster. Weird. So anytime this kid Eddie would talk, and you could see, I mean, he just had like a rubber face because he was just moving his mouth like this, and he was just talking so fast like this. It's like, man, I, I knew Eddie talked fast in the first one, but it was really strange. That is really um, weird because he because you could just hear it. He like his audio is just sped up so much more than everyone else. That's uh, awkward. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, that was him and Ben were the worst. You could tell every once in a while that the other two kids were touched up when they would do flashbacks, but man, him and Ben, I was just like they look so fake. Uh, Rough. But yeah, that was it. I mean, so you could talk about your other one, which I'm sure will be just as brief. Well, what what did you what did you give it? I'm curious. Oh, what uh, would you give it? Uh, I don't know, like two and a half, two and Oof, two that, and three quarters, like you know, as as mediocre as possible. That could make your uh, your bottom five or whatever for this year. Yeah, I could. Like it wasn't awful, awful. It was just like like it, we locked out. I will say it didn't feel as long in the movie theater. Yeah, uh, but it was just like we walked out. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we watched that. Like. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Um, so Lion King, I, I checked out and, uh, you know what? I feel like I'm a little bit higher on this than most, probably because I don't have the attachment, of course, to the original animated movie, which I've like all the original Disney animated movies, things along those lines, uh, through the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. I have seen like, I've seen almost all of them, but I've seen them like once, some of them maybe twice, uh, but not in many, many, many years. So I don't really it's have probably been years since you've seen them. Yeah. I have not seen the lion King since the mid, like the late nineties. Maybe it's probably the last time I watched the animated movie. Uh, so it's been, it's been a while since I've watched them. I don't have the, the same emotional attachment. Uh, one thing that I did agree with, uh, after it was done was, real life animals were a bad idea in in some in some areas uh because the animated the animated movie was a cartoon now these are cartoons of a different sort but the original was an actual hand drawn cartoon and the animals looked like animals but they basically were super anthropomorphized they were have very human characteristics and express them in that manner. And when you're making the same exact movie, but with real looking animals, 
you can't do that because it would look too weird. So there are some scenes that require great joy or great sadness and the keeping them as animals and not anthropomorphizing them. It, it just is expressed poorly. You can't express, you know, joy singing. I just can't wait to be King on a cat face. Cats have notoriously blank, emotionless faces for the most part. Well, they're stone cold killers. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's not there when spoiler alert, when Mufasa dies, and Simba has to, you know, do the no thing. It's about as emotion, uh, full of emotion as mine was right there. Like, the the face, they can't animate the face to make it look like that without it looking weird because the animals look so lifelike. Uh, outside of those, and unfortunately those are some pretty big hefty moments, um, but there's not too many of those in the movie for the most part. The regular dialogue and stuff, I thought worked just fine. Uh, and I thought it looked incredible. Uh, it's even more incredible when you realize that, like, everything in the movie is fake. Uh, like, you could be... You could... Uh, you could convince somebody that they went to all of these locations and shot on the locations and then just plated the animal characters into them. But... You know, they didn't. They recreated everything for the most part. I think there were a couple of actual shots that are live action shots, but everything else uh, is all done on computers. And it is a a credit to visual artists because it's a stunning movie uh, to look at. Uh, It's still incredible that we can create lifelike looking vistas and, and creatures, but we still can't quite nail people's faces. It's really bonkers. Um... But it looks it looks good. The performances, for the most part, are okay. Uh, I agree with the people who thought uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen stole the movie as Timon and Pumbaa. I thought they were the best things in the movie. They were really funny. Uh, they have a couple of really great gags that work out really well. Uh, and most of the music and stuff is really good. The one is it sure that Beyonce's terrible in it? I would say that. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say terrible, but she stands out as the worst. Like she's not, (laughs) she's not an actor. Like everybody else is an actor. Uh, and she, of course, the biggest musical letdown in the movie is of course, uh, Beyonce's song. They gave her an extra song because you don't cast Beyonce for a movie without giving Beyonce a song. And it's not like it's an awful song where you're just like, Oh, this, kills the whole movie for me, but it just feels out of place in a, it's just a nostalgia movie. Here's the almost a shot for shot remake with almost line for line dialogue and every song that you remember, uh, most of them well performed, uh, but they gave her like an extra song to do like a new thing for the movie, I guess, because they feel like we've got to do something new. Uh, And, you know, it was just there. Uh, at, but at the end of the day, I thought the combination of uh, the the visuals, I thought the movie played really well from beginning to end. The you know the the story is the story; they told it well, uh, and most of the performances were really good. I went three and three quarters, which I think is higher than uh, most would give it. I saw a lot of people who were just like, "This ruined my childhood." 
So I, I, I couldn't. It didn't ruin my childhood. This wasn't part of my childhood, so it wasn't ruined for me. Uh, I thought it was perfectly serviceable, uh, kind of along the lines of all the other Disney live-action movies. Not blow away, nothing that surpassed the original in any way, but totally serviceable. And I'm sure kids will grow up with this one, and this will be like their Lion King, for sure. And, you know, that's totally fine. And maybe it's become a bunch of kids who don't know how to emote and... <laughs> Read facial expressions. When something bad happens, they just go, no! Yeah, Straight all their face. faces, they just see everybody as Henrietta. Just like Simba. Emotionless Simba. Um, the, uh, let's, uh, let's move on from The Lion King to something exactly the same. Joker by Todd Phillips. Uh, these movies couldn't be more similar, uh, Glenn. Uh, let's count the ways. Let's let's actually yeah, all the trash in the Serengeti and <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know where to begin with this movie. To be honest with you, uh, I have. Uh, I found it uh to be divisive, but like not in the way that everybody else was finding it to that, be. That the media turned it into. Yeah, I found it divisive in a different way, like. I really like there were there were some things in this movie that I loved I thought were excellent but mm-hmm. then there were other things in the movie that I found equally equally to be like eh so it's weird because I don't think I've watched too many movies where I'm like I've got to give the movie credit for this cuz this is great stuff but also I don't think it's that great it's weird. Uh, that's kind of how I found it divisive. I don't know if you want to start by uh, rolling through it. Uh, and I tried my best, by the way, to watch this movie without thinking too much about the director, who I think has said a lot of shitty stuff after this movie came out uh, that made it really tough for me to want to even see this thing. Uh, although I did develop a theory. Glenn, you can tell me whether or not you think this is true. Uh, I feel like Todd Phillips is the Joker. Like, this is a movie about him and how nobody really realizes how great Todd Phillips is. Uh, I feel like that's kind of the message that was being sent here. Uh, We can't do this sort of stuff anymore, and this stuff used to be great, and I'm really mad that we can't. Uh, So this is my message. Like, this movie is like... uh, it's like his real life version of Joker shooting Robert De Niro at the end of the movie. Like he can't shoot anybody for real. So he made this movie instead of doing that. Uh, like that's the message he's sending to people. Uh, I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's the, the thing that you took from this, but I watched this movie, unfortunately colored with his comments. And it really felt like, uh, he put a lot of himself into the movie. I don't know if you uh, felt the same way, but uh, what did you think about Joker? Let's dive into it a little bit deeper. Yeah, uh, pretty similar to you. There's a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix is great in it. Um, yes. I don't think anybody could watch this movie and not think that he was good. Um, there were things... So... I gave this... I forgave a lot of this movie because when I realized that it was an unreliable narrator, like, I mean, you kind of figure that out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know? And then, but they would do things that like undercut that. Like I hated the whole part where 
I loved it and I hate it at the same time. The part when he goes into Zaza Beats's apartment. Yeah. And you have to see it from her perspective. Like, she doesn't know who this guy is. Everything you've seen is made up. But then they have to show you flashbacks to prove to you that all of it was made up. And I'm like, oh, like, you don't have to dumb it down this much. And the reason why it makes me mad that he felt the need to dumb it down is because, like, he wants to be this auteur, right? He, like, he wants to... He's trying to change his trajectory of his career because you can't make big, uh, you can't make comedies anymore that make money. They they're either on television or they're on Netflix. Like it's just the landscape has changed as far as comedy, so you, you kind of have to adapt. Which is funny because some of this ties into the whole China thing is the why why they don't make these comedies is because they can't sell them overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Like, okay, yeah, that's fine, I get that. And you know, and he wants to make this dark, gritty thing, an homage to uh, you know, Martin Scorsese films. Yeah, that's Taxi fine. Driver, uh, King of Comedy, yeah. Yeah, and that that's fine. I thought that stuff was that worked well. I don't um look, you know, movies have been around for a while now. It's gonna be pretty hard to find an original take on something. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, you wanna you wanna make the you know you want to make this type of genre film of using Scorsese as like the genre you're going to riff off of. That's fine. I mean, plenty of movies have done that. They've been just as good. Sure. Uh, it's just, yeah. Now I didn't see any of his comments beforehand. I had seen it opening night, so I didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. I always kind of thought he was an asshole anyways. Uh, and you can kind of get that from the hangover movies, especially like the third one, like mm-hmm. I've mentioned before is it's really dark. It's not even that funny. It's just dark. Yeah. Um, and I think the only thing I told you about this movie was that there was one instance that I, I don't ever need to see this with the crowd again. Mm-hmm. And it to me was the most scary thing in the whole movie. Uh, and what disturbed me more was the audience's reaction. Yeah. And that was the part where he kills Randall yep. in his apartment and he's got the little person in the corner. Yeah. And, I don't think it was played off as a joke. I really don't. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. It wasn't like it was set up punchline or whatever. It To me, I really thought it was shot like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Because he's trapped, he can't get out. Everybody in my movie theater was laughing their ass off. Yeah. And up until that point, and I still, to a larger extent, you know, people talk about how this movie's divisive. It's going to send the wrong message, this, that, blah, blah, blah. How much responsibility are you going to put on the author, especially if we say the death of the author is a thing now? Yeah. Um, and that was probably, to me, the most disturbing thing, was just that everybody found it so funny. And it's like, no, like, it's... Supposed that is to the be. horrifying thing. Now, yeah. the, the thing, again... That moment gets undercut because you only ever see the Joker do bad things to people that have slighted him in some way or fashion. Yes. Uh, now, the only other thing is that... Question. Do you think he killed Zaza Beats and her kid in her apartment? Mm. I think he killed her. It's hard to say. Like The way the movie portrays everything, I want to say no, but... I mean, if he's telling the story from this perspective of, like, this is his girlfriend and she loves me, but in real life she really didn't, um, I don't see how that character wouldn't see it as a perceived slight, and he kills people who have slighted him in any way. So, it would t- totally make sense that that would have happened. 
I don't know why they don't show it. Because they certainly well, weren't shy about showing any of the other things he did. Well, I think the my only thing is that because if they show him kill people that quote unquote deserve it, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the only times we've seen him kill is he kills people who deserve to be killed. Yeah. Um, but also the reason why I think he does kill her is because they do have the ambulance and you see the sirens coming behind. Now you don't see like people running up the stairs and whatnot. Yeah. But it does obviously get closer and it's somewhere outside of that building. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I thought it was like, okay, so this is if to me like a really subtle moment of like, okay, so don't root for this guy. He clearly killed somebody innocent. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, again, like to me, like the worst part about the movie is the, the messages are muddled. Now I know yes. like when the movie was coming out, the big thing is like, Oh, incels. Oh my God. They're going to love this white single man, blah, blah, blah. You know? And it's mm. like, I mean, really the politics of this movie, <laughs> it's like, uh, kill the rich, eat the rich. Uh, yes. Like, why are we going to trust this rich businessman who says he can help us? But, like, clearly he's let things get bad to a certain extent. Like, he has no social responsibility. Um, You know, even though his mom is crazy and, you know, he was adopted, it's not his kid. Uh, But then it's just like, uh, so, you know, that's where the violence comes from. It's like, you know, Occupy Wall Street. And, uh, yeah. You know, and we've talked about it too. Is like sometimes movements are like, you know, World War. One, you know, happened because the guy got, you know, they killed Arch Ferdinand. Yep. Uh, but, like, the way Arch Ferdinand got shot, like, the plan just didn't work out. And then the guy went to go to sandwich, and then all of a sudden they come by, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to kill the Duke again. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, to me, I could see that being, like, people just latch on to, and build someone up, whereas, like, oh, Joker never was this big. Mm-hmm. Um. So I agree with you about Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I thought it was uh, outstanding. Uh, I mean, he's, but, you know, that's a given for me at this point. He's like this in yeah. pretty much every role he's in. He's always, he always gives an outstanding performance. He's, he's incredible. Uh, I thought, um, you know, or, amazingly, I heard that the, the, uh, the cinematographer for this movie also did the Hangover movies. Which is mm-hmm. bonkers, because I thought this movie looked fantastic. Uh, I couldn't say the exact same thing about the Hangover movies. I mean, you know, there's a different style of movie, but uh, I thought this worked really well. I agree with you that they were basically going for... I mean, I don't know what he was going for here. To me, the movie came off as like an homage to Scorsese, but... I don't Without think, the awareness of, like, a yeah, Scorsese? Yeah, I don't think he was going for an homage. I think he wanted to make a Scorsese movie. Like, this is my Scorsese movie. But it, uh, as, as somebody noted, like, uh, Scorsese movies talk about a myth and, like a, like a myth, like a misanthrope. But this movie was just misanthropic. Uh, like, they didn't talk about what it's like to be one it just was uh i i like you thought the message like it felt like the movie really wanted to say or wanted you to think it had something really important to say but it all felt very muddled to me i've heard a lot of people bring up different points that they thought it was a a cautionary tale about uh how we treat people with mental illness although I mean, while I agree, uh, this country in particular, the United States, has an issue with uh, how we deal with uh, people with mental issues. 
However, I think it's kind of awful to paint it in the perspective of like, if we don't help people with mental issues, it just creates mass murderers. And it's like, not everybody who has mental issues turns into psycho killers. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a, a real concern that we need to talk about. Like a real conversation about mental health in this country is very important, but you know, maybe that's the most comic booky thing about this not comic book movie was how, uh, if that is indeed the, the message they are trying to send this kind of like thinly layered cautionary tale, uh, because of how yeah. far it reaches, that might be the only comic booky thing. Um, speaking yeah, like he stops taking his pills and like in a matter of weeks becomes this like a I wish the movie I wish he wouldn't have been taking his pills to start with and so that's like we're slowly seeing his he'd been off his medication for a long time yeah for a while yeah not that like you know the meds were just holding him at bay for so long and then it just snapped yeah uh, yeah it's uh I mean the other thing too that I took away from it and again not I'm not gonna give him credit necessarily for it but like we walked out of the movie theater and i just told robbie like man you know to me the big message is like we just need to be kind to one another now mm-hmm. if that was his intention i don't know i'm gonna say it probably wasn't because he, he is kind of a jerk yeah. uh, but to me it's just like all these things could have been circumvented if we were just nicer to each other like those little asshole wall street guys which yeah good i'm glad they all got killed I mean, it's kind of like the thing in Hustlers. Like, I'm glad those a-holes got ripped off because, you know, they destroyed our country. I mean, they're Uh, like cartoonish assholes in this movie, but... Yeah, Yeah, and it's... But it's like, oh, if they just weren't being a jerk to him, they wouldn't have died. You know, even... I don't even know. I don't know. I wish he was... I wish he would have been more of a bystander in that versus, like, Mm -hmm. he kind of became active into the situation. Not... You know, because I know he's laughing and stuff, but he does insert himself into the into the situation. Yeah, I I think the um, the story is oftentimes muddled too. Like it sometimes it feels like there is no plot. It sometimes it feels like there is, but it feels kind of aimless. Uh, it's 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 like a really weird narrative flow to the movie. Things kind of just sort of happen. Uh, yeah, and its problem is like in the third act, which I did love. I love the but a moment he goes into the uh, the late night talk show. Mm-hmm. But even his rant is really like I get what he's saying, but like it's a lot of it's really inconsistent and yeah, you know, uh, that, to me that's fine. Like that's the whole like I'm glad that he's showing that he is manic. Like he he yeah he he there's somewhere in there there is an agenda, but it's like he there's a lot of different things going in and he is obviously not equipped to, you know, vocalize that. I think communicate that to people. uh, I think the movie got like a B plus cinema score, which kind of gauges like audience expectations of a movie. I think a lot of people expected, you know, a comic book movie going into this and uh, they didn't get one because this is not. Uh, there's only one real comic book tie-in to this even at all, which is uh, the the killing of the Waynes, which, you know, we've seen a million times. Uh, so on him being a bad stand-up, I mean, that's killing joke stuff. And... Yeah, but I mean, they... The, the Wayne stuff feels like the only direct thing, 
And it also felt so just chucked in there. Oh, so forced, yeah. Uh, which, you know what, to be fair, consistent with what the director said afterwards, <laughs> which I think got people inflamed. And between him, ironically, Scorsese also said something uh, later about comic book movies. I think both of them said stupid things about comic book movies. Uh, Todd Phillips, in this case, just belittled them, sort of, and the way he talked about this movie, like, you know... You can't make a real movie these days. You gotta, if you want to make a real movie, you gotta sneak it into a comic book movie to force all the. I mean, it felt so. He he sounded like such a douchebag. Like you gotta fool the rubes into the theater to see a a good movie. He sounded like he was on such a high horse, uh, which is not good for your public relations. I don't think. Uh, maybe it hasn't hurt him because the movie's done really well in the box office, but. Boy, he came off like an asshole. Uh, and I think the Scorsese thing was... Uh, do, do, you, do you know the Scorsese quote, like what he said? Like somebody had asked him about like the Marvel movies, like it, had he watched them. Uh, and he said that he had, he had tried to watch them, but um, he, I think he wanted to say that they really weren't his type of movie. But I what, mean, I think he would also say the same thing about like, yeah, half of Spielberg's movies too. You know what I mean? But like, what he that's... but what he went on to say was instead of saying they weren't my thing, he went on to say that they're not cinema, which is, of course, ridiculous. Unless you don't know the meaning of the word cinema, made up your own definition of the word cinema, or you're a big movie snobby person. But you know, cinema is just another word for movie. To say they're not cinema is to say they're not a movie, unless you have your own definition of cinema, which is, you know, well, what the fuck? Anybody can make up their own definitions for words if they want to. Um, so he either came off sounding snobby, like these are below me, or... I mean, uh, I would say almost any movie being made is is kind of below Scorsese in general, so... <laughs> he, well, I mean... He, he, he kind of... I mean, yes. I'll give him somewhat of a pass, like... He's made great movies. Like, if he wants to be snobbish about, like, what the art form can be... Like, sure. I get what he's saying. But someone like Todd Phillips saying this, like, that's yeah. not... Come on now. I, I would just I would just say that, to me, I'm, I'm a literalist when it comes to word definitions. And I know what cinema means. It means a, a fucking movie. So, you know, Thanks Killing is cinema. Uh... Joker is cinema. Um, you know, every Scorsese movie, Taxi Driver, that's cinema. Uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot, cinema. They're all movies. They're all cinematic films. Uh, whether or not you think they're good cinema, that's I totally up for, uh, you know, subjective opinion. And I think he would actually, I think Scorsese probably would have been fine if he just said, yeah, I tried to watch them, but they're, you know, they're not really my thing. It's like, I'm glad people have fun, and I'm glad people like them, but, you know, they're not for me. I think everybody would have been like, oh, okay, you know, I disagree. I wish you could like them as much as me, but I understand why you don't. Uh, you know, he just said a, a, a dumb thing. I don't think he meant it in an awful way. Todd Phillips came off as condescending, uh, and he kind of kept doubling down on that. I think when he announced that comedy is dead, uh, like he can't do comedies anymore. 
you know, even though Taika Waititi just did a movie about a Hitler youth who has an imaginary best friend Hitler who's played by Taika Waititi, I think you can still do comedy that's on the edges. I think people are... Yeah, it just you're not going to get, you know, people a $30 are, million dollar budget to make it. I mean, and that's... Right. I think... Well, that's fine. Sure. And I think, for the most part, people are moving past the punching down comedy. Like, what's up with the yeah. gays? What's up with the trans people? Uh, what's up with the disabled? Like, people are, for the most part, done with, you know, punching down humor. And, look, if all you can do is punching down humor, then, yeah, you might be fucked. Uh, but <laughs> a lot of people can do other types of humor, and they seem to be doing A-OK with their comedies. So, maybe it's just Todd Phillips. Uh, or you find a place where you can find an audience that does it. You know, you yeah. find a niche thing. It's not like... Always Sunny in Philadelphia is, you know, the biggest comedy in the world or anything, but by God, it's been going on for 15 years, and now I wouldn't say they necessarily punch down, because they're always the put of the joke at the end, but yeah. still, it's not like it's not crass humor. Yeah. So, ironically, you would think, based of everything I've said about Joker, that I'd give this an It Chapter 2 level score, but uh, <laughs> I didn't. I actually gave it a 3, because I thought, uh, based, and by the way, that 3 is earned entirely based on the the look and feel of the movie which I thought just shot visually fantastic it looked amazing you you felt like you were in the early 1980s the late 70s I thought that was tremendous and I thought uh Joaquin Phoenix's performance was outstanding I'm sure he will probably get nominated for an award and to in my opinion that's quite the hill to climb because it's it's a rare feat that you see a, an amazing performance in a movie that is otherwise not that great. Uh, what uh, final thoughts on Joker? What would you give it, Glenn? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of similar things that you just said. As far as uh, I mean, I'll probably give it. I, I'd probably get like a three and a half. Okay. Um, so you know, like you even preface all this by saying is when I watched it, this is before became like a shitstorm because the director is a douche. Yeah. Um, so I would even say mine might be skewed because I watched it with the shitstorm being how it's just about incels. And I'm like, as the movie goes on, I'm like, see ya. Yeah. I mean, I can <laughs> totally was... see how like incel type people will see this movie as like a, they will see themselves in this, but you know, that's going to happen regardless. No, that's anything. Yeah. However people identify it. Well, I mean, it's just, to me, I just find it funny that the people who are saying this, like, if you look at the politics of what the movie's generally about, it's probably aligned with their politics. So to me, I just find it funny that the ones who would probably say that this is about incel and alt-right and all this kind of stuff, it's like, oh, I mean, kind of things in this movie are about, like, you know, giving back to people in need, funding services. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are probably things that most of those people are for. I mean... Which is... I do love that. I mean, like I said, I feel like um, oh, there's a specific moment during the, the interview with uh, De Niro's character where Joker literally says, I'm not political, which is, you know, something again. Look, this plays into my crazy theory that Todd Phillips wrote this movie about him and he, and Todd Phillips is the Joker. Uh, just a, a stylized version of how Todd Phillips feels about things. He comes across like one of those guys who's like, hey, I'm not political not realizing that, you know, politics is part of everything. And, 
you may say you're not political, but you're making political statements and you're just not aware of it. Yeah. You think you think they they have no ties to politics, but everything does. It affects everything. There's no escaping it. I know it's annoying, and that's why people want to say that they're not political, but you can't escape it. Like that's like saying oh, I'm not societal. I'm not really a part of society. Like yeah, you are. You you can't escape it. You were born into it. You're you're stuck in it. You can't escape society. You can't escape politics. It's it's part and parcel of the whole thing. So to say I'm you know, it's just one of those things that like it, this movie had a poli- had political things that it said. I think it said them, you know, we, as we said before, in a muddled fashion. So it's hard to exactly parse what what was going on. Uh, messages felt very mixed at times, but um, you know, you could argue that hey, that's the Joker, Glenn. He's just a chaotic guy. He loves chaos. You see that Dark Knight movie? He talks about chaos in that movie the the whole time. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's okay that the the plot isn't that followable because it's an unreliable narrator. Uh, I don't know. Well, the trick is to make people think that you're unhinged when you do have a plan. I mean, that's yes, that's the real lesson of the Dark Knight. So, um, real quick before we before we leave off with this, uh. This isn't a comic book movie. It's pretty clear that Todd Phillips wanted to make a Taxi Driver, King of Comedy uh, fan film, although much better. Fan film sounds like I'm being condescending now. Uh, I don't mean to be, but it's it's obvious that he wanted to make something evocative of those movies, but couldn't do it on his own. Got this Joker IP. How do you feel uh, looking at it as a movie about Joker, the comic book character, does it work in that regard for you, or is this just like Joker in name only? Uh, I mean, you know, usually the thing is like the funnest thing is not knowing where the Joker comes from because yes. then you don't have to have this kind of baggage. Yeah, the the mystery uh, is what helps that character. Yeah, but I mean, like as an Elseworld kind of thing, like no, I liked it. I mean, I like the idea of like him being mythothized and it's kind of outside of his control i mean yes he wants the fame and the glory but you know just like anyone else who can get put in this position like he's just a person and uh you know he can't foresee what you know as far as writing if that in fact did happen yeah um you know he does have illusions of grandeur uh but it, it you know it's yeah i'm fine if you know Maybe it's not because... even just DC. I'm fine if we get movies like this just um, to give you a little bit of flavor. I, I'd rather stuff like this exist and be clunky versus just you know something yeah. being so similar, especially in look and feel and yeah and and aesthetics. Like like you said, oh, I like the way the movie looks. Like to me, I think some of that can go a long way of just like oh yeah, you know what? It is a give me a different flavor, which is. You know, what we said about Logan, like, mm-hmm. you can make these 55, which I think is the budget Joker, you can make these $55 million uh, smaller comic book movies and do more character study stuff and don't necessarily have to rely on the, you know, the epicness and the scope of it. You know, yeah. you can stuff like this in and, uh, you know, it's having a pretty great return. Is it going to do a billion dollars? No, but when your mm-hmm. budget is 55 yeah, this is going to do well. It was a hundred million. Yep. 
and you're sitting at five hundred million dollars right now, like I can't say that you made the wrong move. No, because uh, your net gain is probably about the same. Yep. And what is amazing with like all the controversy this movie has and way things even critics and yeah, you can look at the fresh and the rotten score. You know, it's sixty eight percent, but even like the average ratings, like seven and a quarter, mm-hmm. is pretty good. And yeah, yep, yep. People, it's almost like this movie is being successful in spite of like the people behind it. Yeah, the critics seem to like it more than people seem to realize. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because people don't know how to. I mean, it won at TIFF. I mean, it won the yeah, you know, the award at Toronto Film Festival. Yeah. Uh, did you see the thing? That they did on Jimmy Kimmel? No. The Joaquin Phoenix? No, I, I, I did not. Well, I guess, like, Todd Phillips sent Jimmy Kimmel, and again, like, I'm I'm not really going to go into it so much, but just Jimmy Kimmel having no self-awareness of the things he preaches sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, they show this thing, and it's it's the part where he's, like, painting his face, right? Yep. You know, super emotional, blah, 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 and, like, the DP is like constantly, you know, muttering, you know, trying to set up shots and stuff. And so, you know, of course, Joaquin's in this mindset and he's getting irritated. He's like, stop, just, oh my God, can you please stop me? And he doesn't like really, you know, yell at him, yell at him, but he definitely storms off set because he's upset. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you're going to apologize for this, Joaquin? And it's just like, that's just a cruel joke to pull on somebody. Like, yeah, you can't just sit there and ask these people to be put in emotionally, you know, vulnerable position and then be like be surprised or ask for an apology whenever uh they're gonna snap because you're like making them play a character like this like come on now like then that that like when you were saying the the todd phillips controversy like i know this is wasn't something that got a big return but to me something like that like that's just that's just cruel Mm -hmm. and completely unnecessary yeah um and i was like yeah, I, I saw that, I guess it was sometime last week after the movie came out, and I was just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, yeah. It certainly colored my viewing. Like, it, it's hard not to. It's hard to, Yeah. It's once you've read something, it's hard to unread it. It's hard to put that in the back of your mind and be like, okay, let's let's pretend he didn't say that this isn't really a comic book movie, this is just a way to sneak a real movie. You know, I hate it when people... Uh, gatekeep or no true Scotsman their way into doing something like this isn't a real movie uh, unless you do it this way it's like that is such a bullshit thing for somebody to say and it, to me it already presents them from a like a, a standpoint of weakness like they don't have any real legs to stand on they've got to create something uh, to make it seem like they've they've got something to say and it it hurts going into it because you know it it colors everything. So even even with that said, I still gave it a three. Like there's no denying that it's a that the movie itself, from a technical standpoint, is well made, and that the lead performance is outstanding. Like to me, those are just undeniable. Do you think he should get an movie. Oscar nomination for it? Uh, I think he should. Honestly, uh, I think the performance is that strong. I don't know if he'll get one uh, because you know. Uh, the director seems to have upset a lot of people, uh, and the movie itself, I don't think is that strong. Like it's entirely carried, I think, by Phoenix. So, 
like I can see a case for or against. Like to me, against would be like the things I just mentioned. But weirdly enough, you could also use them as a for argument that he had to climb through a lot and over a lot, and he still shines uh, like really brightly in that movie. So yeah, I feel like if it were up to me, like I would give him a nomination. I thought yeah, I think this movie is going to get a lot of nomination mm-hmm. just because it is polarizing. Yes. I don't think it's going to win anything, but it's I could see, and it, obviously the studio is behind it. Like you don't put a movie like yeah. this into a bunch of fucking film festivals without you believing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just kind of like I I am really curious to see once the award season kind of starts up with Golden Globes and yeah. see what it would get nominated for. Just be just because it is kind of a uh, it is. I mean, it is polarizing. Uh, and sometimes that works in in a movie's favor. Yep, it can. Uh, it's worked for Tarantino for everything that he's ever made. <laughs> everything he's done. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, well, I think that's a good place uh, to leave things off. Oh. Uh, the The next big movie release, I feel like, will be far less divisive. It's like Zombieland Double Tap, so... I think that's the next big release, so I think that'll be far less divisive. Well, Maleficent as well comes out this weekend. Does it? Oh, see, this, the Maleficent sequel. I don't know if I'm going to see that, but... Uh, uh, I mean, I don't plan on seeing it. Terminator Dark Fate, It's all. that's also on its way, so... That uh, looks so bad. <laughs> well... <laughs> like, it looks terrible. Well, you know, I'm. we'll see. I am seeing The Lighthouse in a couple of weeks. That's the next one I, I plan on seeing. There you go. That'll probably be better than Terminator Dark Fate. I think it'll be better than a lot of things that are coming out. Um, I'm very intrigued to see a black and white horror movie about lighthouse keepers and a mermaid trying to kill them. So <laughs> That actually sounds way better than Terminator Dark Fate. Well, it's got Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson in it, too. So uh, well, it Willem Dafoe! Super intrigued. You can't go wrong with Dafoe. Um, no. All right, so uh, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. Uh, of course, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn. Just search for Cinema Geekly, hit subscribe, and that way you can hear us come back next time. Glenn and I are going to go uh, watch some more movies. He's going to go watch that Defoe black and white lighthouse killer mermaid movie. Uh, oh, yeah, super pretentious, artsy movie <laughs> where the guy who directed it wears fucking. Dickie's uh, overalls dressed like Michael Myers and <laughs> is like 34 years oh, yeah. old and, and made something like The Witch, which I don't, I don't think you've seen yet. Uh, and I'm going to go watch a bunch of uh, Academy Award nominees uh, fight zombies in a comedy movie. As- yeah, I'm going to watch that probably. Then Jalen Silent Bob, I do want to watch it. Oh, yeah. I'll probably, I'll hopefully I can get a chance to see uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot too because I'm very curious to know how uh, that's going to turn out as somebody who loved the original as a as a an older teen. I think when the first uh, movie came out, I think it was nearing the end of my teen years when that came out. So we'll see how my how much my tastes have changed uh, since the original Jay and Bob uh, Strike Back movie came out. Yeah, so we'll come back. We'll talk about all of that stuff on another Cinema Geekly podcast. Mm-hmm.